Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 108 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Mike Dunn. He owns, get this, folks, <laughs> a two-time race-winning truck of David Starr's in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. We are going to get the whole lowdown of how Mike not only found this truck, but restored it to its original condition, where it's at, the backstory with this truck uh, means a lot to David. We'll get his side of the story and his memories of this truck. It's going to be pretty interesting. You won't want to miss it coming up in just a few moments from right now. Later on, we'll have our news and notes segment, also our Ask David segment coming up at the end of today's show as well. As always, David Starr is here, the star of the show. He joins us right now, fresh off an Easter weekend David, I uh, hope you had a good uh, Easter holiday, my friend. And uh, it was a good Easter weekend there for Christopher Bell as uh, he got his uh, first win of 2023 on the uh, dirt there. The first time we've seen an actual dirt racer win on the uh, Bristol dirt. Yeah, man. Uh, happy Easter to you guys. And uh, it was amazing. I uh, got to spend it with my family and uh, caught up on some honeydews around my house and, uh, it was good to slow down and, and uh, enjoy uh, Easter. Uh, but, man, there was some great racing on television. And, uh, yeah, congratulations to Christopher Bell. That was, uh, tell you what, my hat's off to NASCAR. They did a tremendous job on that uh, dirt race there at Bristol. It was uh, it, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, Dominic Ulagoon from the RacingExperts.com joins us right now as well. Dom, uh, Christopher Bell, he ended 2022 so well. And now he's got his first win of 2023 here. Christopher Bell, you could argue right now, is the best driver Joe Gibbs racing. Yeah, I don't think that's far from the truth, actually. How? When you say it like that, that is so true. He's the only one who won a race so far this year. He's the only one locked in the playoffs or a virtual lock for the playoffs. And, yeah, he had that momentum at the end of the 2022 season and getting that right off, that walk-off win at Martinsville to advance to the championship for. And Christopher Bell, an actual – a regular at dirt, I should say, finally comes through and wins the dirt Bristol race. I mean, let's be honest, Logano and Kyle Busch, the past winners of this race, great race car drivers. But Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, J.J. Haley, the guys that cut their teeth on the dirt, really cool to see one of the dirt guys stick it to the field on Sunday. Well, and uh, the race itself, I think every year there's going to be questions about the future of how much longer NASCAR wants to do this and if they should expand to do more dirt races. Dom, I'll say this. Uh, I like the Bristol dirt concept. It was an entertaining race. It wasn't a great race, but it wasn't bad either. I like it. I know attendance wasn't that great, like 35 to 45% of that crowd, but I think it would have been about the same on the concrete anyway. Um, your ratings were solid. 3.5 million people tuned in on, on the Fox broadcast network. Uh, with all that said, like, what, what do you think of the future? Are we, you think we're going to continue this dirt race? Is there going to be more dirt races? What do you think about the prospects of this dirt race going forward, Dom? Well, that's a good question. I don't know as far as what that future holds and, and, and what this deal is. Is it, is it going to be another two, three, four years or what NASCAR wants to do with it? But I will say this, Tyler, I think it's a really good tribute to NASCAR's yesteryear presence where you had a lot of Cup Series races run on dirt tracks and it had been since 1970. 
until 2021 when we saw another dirt race. So I do like the fact that, hey, I'm a throwback guy. I like way back Wednesday, throwback Thursday, all that stuff. And I think this is a good tribute to that. Like you said, the concept's great. Does it move to another venue? Does it stay at Bristol? Is it eliminated altogether? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I, I personally hope it doesn't. And I hope it stays around for a little bit. David, we saw some guys over the weekend step up and say that that NASCAR has no business running on dirt, including Kyle Larson himself. He uh, probably didn't make SMI and NASCAR too happy with those comments he made before the race. Uh, but he said that. Others have said that. The drivers seem to not be too big of fans. They say the cars don't belong on dirt. But as long as it's an entertaining product and people are watching, I don't see this going away anytime soon. Well, I mean, you, you know, you, um, yeah, it's, uh, man, it's a great product, you know, and uh, I can, I can understand their uh, frustrations or their comments, uh, but the fans love it, you know, and, and, and to hear Dominic say, you know, throw back to, you know, throw back to the sixties and the seventies when they ran on dirt, you know, and you are talking about the best race car drivers in the world in the NASCAR cup series. And, uh, you know, I, I love the nostalgia, the throwback, but it just shows you how diversified and how good these guys are. You know, for Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, and, you know, you see them, uh, you know, they to, to trans, transition over to dirt, you know, a lot of them don't have dirt experience and how great they run and what a, what a great show they put on. It just really showcases – the best race car drivers in the world, you know. So, uh, you know, I wasn't out there competing, didn't compete last year on the Cup Series on the dirt. Um, for me, just watching it on television, you know, it, 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 to me, I, I really enjoyed it and liked it. Uh, you know, what the future holds for it, I'm not sure. But, you know, I think NASCAR is really listening to the, uh, the fans and watching the ratings, I don't think it hurts the sport by no means. And, uh, you know, I, I hope they continue to have at least one dirt race, you know, in all three NASCAR series in the future. You know, I think it's a pretty cool and neat deal. There's so much, you know, dirt racing in, in, in our country. Uh, you know, I just really think uh, for some of the dirt racers out there and the dirt racing fans that really – don't pay much attention to NASCAR. It really uh, brings a new set of eyes to the sport, knowing that, hey, our NASCAR guys, our sport is transitioning over to dirt for a race, you know. So I don't know. You know, it's interesting to hear everybody's opinion. Uh, but, you know, I think the product's good, and I hope it continues. Uh, Dom, one more before we bring in Mike here. The, the thing that I wonder about the future of NASCAR on dirt is – you know, we, we've seen Bristol do the makeshift dirt track. It's not a traditional dirt course, and they've done that for a few years now. My, my imagination, my mind goes to this. What if NASCAR, maybe Bristol's not the best to pull this off, potentially speaking. What if you went to a traditional real dirt course like a Knoxville or an Eldora or something like that that's suited, that's made for this, would we get a better product? Obviously, you can't have as many people in the seats, you know, like the great Coliseum that is Bristol. But I wonder if that would help out and make these races slightly less uh, all the cautions that we've seen stack up, you know, a little more entertaining of sorts if we went to a real traditional dirt track instead of maybe Bristol for this. 
I feel like that would have definitely have the potential to do that at a track that's more suited, more traditional for this kind of racing where you have more dirt on the surface and you, you can actually see the dirt guys really come alive and see how much more the dirt would have an impact on the racing. It's interesting, Tyler. We'll have to see if NASCAR would wait towards something like that, but it would be really cool. Yeah, the truck's uh, already racing uh, at Knoxville. Uh, that'll be on the schedule again later this year. So we'll see if the uh, Cup Series, uh, what they do as far as dirt goes uh, going forward. Dom, uh, our next guest, this is one of the more interesting guests we've had on uh, the show and the story that came about this. Uh, I know that you usually do our introduction, but I'll say this much. I, I don't want you to spoil too much when we bring Mike in here because we got a whole story to tell today. Oh, we certainly do. And, and I, like I said, we like to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain. As you all know, you guys send in your questions every week, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. And Tyler, we overlooked a question there for a few weeks. And then we brought up Mike's question to David. And, man, you know, I don't want to reveal too much. You know, let, let's just go straight into it. Mike, thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. You have one heck of a story. You've gotten to hang out with David a little bit. It's going to be really fun to, to find out about this truck and just a little bit more about about the backstory and origin of it. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, having me. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm really excited to to let the know you know the David Star fans know and and talk about this uh, number seventy five Spears Craftsman truck uh, that ran in its heyday with David being the pilot and leading this truck to not just one but two victories. And I can tell you guys, if you're watching this YouTube version right now, that is not a green screen. That is the real truck. That is a real garage. That is the the real vehicle that David raced in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. And it is so cool to have that as the background. And before we came on this week, we were talking about it, Mike, Tyler, and David. Man, all the guests we've had, that background that you have right there is pretty hard to talk. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, it's really exciting to uh, just even own this truck. And I think it was more exciting uncovering the history and finding out the winning history of it because when I first set eyes on it I only knew that it was a Spears truck and I had no idea what races it ran where it ran and so when I started digging this treasure trove of information came out from one guy and that guy was uh, Jason Trincheri he is the number 11 colleague Xfinity crew chief and Jason had every record everything on Spears when he was there. He was a young engineer back in those days, and uh, David was a young up-and-coming star, and he kept everything, and it was Jason who really helped me uncover the history of the truck. So let's start with this, uh, Mike. How did you find the truck? Let, let's begin there. So uh, one day, just sitting upstairs watching TV with the wife, and I'm jumping on Facebook, and the power of the internet led me to a page called uh, uh, Street Legal NASCAR Race Trucks or something like that. So I went on there, and when I was on there, I was just, people were talking about looking for street legal trucks. A guy in Ohio piped in with a picture of a Napa truck, this truck behind me, and uh, said, I got a truck for sale. And that sparked my interest. So I reached out to him, and his name was Mike Mueller. And I reached out to Mike and started talking to him about the truck. And this was in December of last year. And so between December and now, here we are in April, uh, the truck already looks like this. And I've been going full speed since then. 
That is an amazing truck. And, and like we were saying right before we introduced you, so a little more on that backstory. We had gotten a fan question from Mike for the, the Ask David segment, and, and it mentioned in there that you had this truck and, and just wanted to bring it to David's attention. And, and I got to tell you, Mike, and everyone listening, when we got off the air of that show that night, I, I believe it was the Daytona show, we got off the air, and, and that's all David was talking about, that truck. He goes, we got to find out more about that truck. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it was it was really interesting um, as the history unfolded. And I really wanted to know, like, okay, I know it's a Spears truck. And so once I, I was told that by Mike Mueller, yeah, it was a Spears truck because it still retained everything on the inside. All the baby blue underneath the, the hood, the fenders, the undercarriage, everything was still the Spears blue. So when I started speaking with uh, Mike, he's like, oh, it's a, it's a Spears truck. And he didn't really think much about it. And me, I'm a purist. And I'm like, okay, somebody drove it. Let's find out who drove it. So when I jumped online, it was Jason uh, from uh, the Xfinity car, the number 11 Xfinity car. And Jason's like, I have all the records for that. And so that's kind of what kind of led me that way really quickly. So so let me ask David this. Uh David, where would you have guessed this truck was if, if you had any idea? Like, what, what's the process typically when you guys retire a, a truck or a vehicle in NASCAR? Where do they usually go from there? Man, you know, it, it's a it's a very interesting question and, and a question that's really challenging to answer. You know, um, you know, driving schools, you know, my driving school, Team Texas High Performance Driving Schools, a lot of the former cup cars I have in my school. But, you know, it's interesting what Mike has there because over the years, you know, I've been doing this 25 years and people ask me, hey, you know, where are some of your favorite race cars, race trucks, you know? And I'm like, man, I own one of them back from early, early on, you know, I have one, just one, you know, and I've driven, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different types of NASCAR race cars for different owners. And, uh, you know, and people ask me, Hey, that truck you, you run second with at IRP or, you know, whatever race. And uh, I said, man, I, I really don't know. I don't know what happened to those race vehicles, you know. And uh, you know, uh, sometimes when a when a team shuts down and 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 uh, and, and you know they, they uh, the team doesn't continue to race in NASCAR, or they sell off the assets, and different people buy the the the, the machinery, the equipment, engines, vehicles, you know, and and and. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of stories of, of different racing teams and where these cars end up, you know. But I don't really have a lot of uh, information on most of all the cars I've driven over the past, over the years. And uh, so to sit here and see that truck in the background and when, when I learned about it and, and heard and started seeing pictures and then Jason approached me. Jason's my good friend at the racetrack. He was telling me about Mike, and and uh, he was so enthused. I couldn't wait to see it. And when I finally saw some pictures of it, I was just amazed on uh, how original it was. You know, like Mike was saying, the inside of the of the of the truck underneath the hood. Uh, I mean, it's like 
Yeah, that's my truck. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I drove for Wayne and Connie Spears for, I don't know, five or six years. I don't remember what it was. But, you know, Wayne and Connie Spears, um, they did a lot for a lot of different drivers. You know, they had a lot of different drivers. Andy Houston, Kevin Harvick, you know, Marty Houston, uh, Eric Amarillo, Dennis Setzer, on and on and on, you know. And, and I remember Kevin saying, hey, don't, uh, you know, Harvick would tell me, hey, get in there and win a race or two because it's not going to last long. You know what I mean? Because they, uh, they really didn't have a, uh, you know, from what I understood, uh, you know, uh, Wayne and Connie really didn't marry themselves to just one driver. They, they changed drivers a lot, you know? Uh, uh, and then Kevin would always come to me and say, Hey man, <laughs> what have you done? How are you staying there that long? You know? And, and I, I, I don't know. It was just the love I had for the sport I loved racing for Wayne and Connie Spears and uh, they had great equipment and, you know, I was just so passionate and loved every minute of it uh, that I don't know, you know, I guess that my passion was contagious to them. They kept me around because they felt sorry for me. Hell, I don't know, but man, what a, what a, what a great time, you know, early on in my career, really the Spears trucks and, and that time and NASCAR really put me on the map, you know, and uh, man, I'm, I, for it. Never, ever forget uh, what Wayne and Connie, the opportunity they gave me, you know, but man, to, going back to the truck that, that Mike restored and bought and, and, you know, his passion for that truck is just amazing because looking at it and, and seeing some pictures that he sent me, I mean, he put that thing identical to the way it was when I, when I last drove it, and that's just amazing, you know, so to answer your question, Tyler, I don't know where where, you know, 99% of the vehicles I've raced over 25 years ended up and who has them and, you know, where they're at. A lot of them are, are, are you had to cut them up because they were so damaged that they were no good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the one Mike has there, man, that's pretty cool, you know, because I got a couple of my wins in that truck. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool that he has that truck and he's so passionate about it and how you know, how he put it back exact to where it was when I last drove it is just amazing. And, and uh, man, I, I'm just so impressed with Mike's passion and what he, what he has there. It's just, you know, it's amazing story, really. So, so Mike, uh, along those lines then, of what David's talking about, the full re re restoration that you had to do, um, you were telling us before we went on the air that you had to take this truck – uh, somewhere it have somebody repaint it and everything because uh, it had you know been been painted over some different things there. How did you get it to look like what it did previously? So I kind of lucked out, Tyler, because uh, when I was trying to figure out okay the width of the stripes and how wide and how far off the cab and all those questions. Believe it or not, when it was uh, first sold and got painted this dark blue color, they just painted on top of it. So when I opened up the hatch to the fuel cell and started opening hatches up, right there was the original white, the original light blue, the original blue, and I knew <laughs> all the measurements of everything. So I was able to figure out the width and the, and the striping and the spacing of everything, all because it was still there underneath the panels right when I open them up. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Uh, and, then, and then who'd you find to be able to, to do the, the job for you? 
So uh, a friend of mine who paints some motorcycles for me, um, I asked him one day, I said, hey, uh, his name's Ed. And I said, Ed, do you want to you want to paint a race truck for me? And he was hesitant at first, but when he came over and he looked at it, and then I showed him photos of what I wanted to do, he's like, oh yeah, I'll paint it. And I, I didn't even have to fork <laughs> out like a steak dinner or nothing, Tyler. He painted it. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, and it, uh, one of the things I also find fascinating with this, Mike, uh, and, and feel free to elaborate more on this, is from what you said at the beginning, you were looking at street trucks on, on, on Facebook, right? This is a truck that, in one state in particular, can be run on the streets. Absolutely, Tyler. This truck is uh, street legal in the state of Ohio. I have an Ohio title. It had license plates on it. It had turn signals. <laughs> it had headlights where the vents are on the front uh, air dam. Um, it was all... It had a windshield wiper in it uh, as well. I mean, it was a street legal truck. It had everything that you needed, a horn, everything. And so when I bought it, my intent was, okay, I'm going to leave it street legal and just drive it around. But soon after I started digging into the state of California of how hard this truly is to get this street legal in California, even though it has a title and it's street legal in another state, um, it was more of a challenge. And then so I decided, you know what, I'm going to put it back to how it was race day, and then I'll just take it out to the track and I'll, I'll do some hot laps in it. I don't want to wreck it. To me, it's worth so much. It's so valuable as a collector piece, and uh, that's kind of how that all came about with the, the title and the registration and all that. But inside the truck is the registration. It's sitting in there. That is too cool. And you drove this thing to the, the DMV once. <laughs> Yeah, so I, when I first got it, I convinced my buddy to follow me down because I was scared. I was like, see, somebody's going to see this and pull me over. So he, he, jumped, off. In his, yeah. so he jumped in his uh, his truck and followed me, and I drove it down the DMV to start the paperwork. And uh, when I drove down the street to the DMV, I've got people honking at me taking pictures with their cell phones out the window, uh, rolling the windows down, asking me to rev the truck up. I mean, it was like, I was like all of a sudden a famous movie star or something, you know? <laughs> That's, That's cool. incredible. Yeah. David, uh, have you, you, you've taken some, some uh, NASCAR stock cars on the street before, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I have. I understand what Mike's talking about, you know? So uh, yeah, it's uh you know, you're like, man, it's uh, when, you know, when we when we move our uh, NASCAR racing school school cars from my race shop to the Texas Motor Speedway, you know, it's amazing. You know, I'm always like, man, hey, you know, people got their pulling up beside you, honking, videoing it with their phones, taking pictures. You know, it's amazing, you know, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, the the enthusiasm and excitement from people driving on the street, I guess, you know. Uh, you know, it's not every day you see a NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series driving down the road there in California. So it's it's quite a scene, you know, and uh, so it's it's pretty cool, pretty cool experience. And man, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just, it's amazing that that truck is still in existence because uh, there's so much history behind, you know, the Spears racing team and all the different drivers and crew chiefs. And it really was a very, uh, 
it really uh, it was my first big time job in NASCAR. And you know, you guys know our different guests over the years. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and and things we ask them, and a question that comes up when we have a lot of drivers on our podcast is like, you know, when did you finally know that? you know, that you made it and you was going to have, you was going to build a sustain and a sport that you just love so much and you work so hard to, to get there as a professional, you know, and uh, for me, it's that truck behind Mike, you know, it's what Mike has, you know, when I, when Spears hired me and I went to go drive for him and we were so competitive, um, so many top fives, top tens, and, and should have ones. You know, there was a lot of should have ones. And, uh, you know, I knew at that point when Wayne and Connie Spears gave me the opportunities and the years clicked off that I, I knew that I was going to be able to make a living uh, uh, doing what I worked since I was a little boy to do, you know. And uh, so seeing that truck there and knowing the history and, even looking at Mike's shirt he's wearing, you know, I mean, it, it, that it really means something special to me because it, uh, it, 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 it changed my life uh, tremendously. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah, uh, no, no, no doubt about it. So uh, as you've restored it and everything, uh, Mike, tell me about, uh, we, we see it there uh, in your race shop. Do, do you get it out and drive it much? Like what was what, it typically uh, – what do do with the the race truck these days? So uh, the the plan with the truck, uh, the first event that'll be seen by the public with the, the Spears paint job back on it will be May 20th at Irwindale Speedway. Their uh, Spears Southwest uh, Tour still races. They still have races. So they sponsor um, a race program and uh, they're having an event at Irwindale and they had asked me to bring the truck out to Irwindale so they can put it next to the tech trailer in the pits on Friday for the drivers and uh, people to see in the pits. And then on Saturday, the truck will go out to the front of the stadium at Irwindale so the public can see it. And then uh, they were talking about a parade lap. So that's just one thing that's in store for it. I, I have uh, plans in my head. I want to get this truck back to Gateway where it won. And I want to get it to Phoenix, uh, where it won. And Phoenix, I'm working on right now. I spoke to the people at Gateway, and uh, I'm trying to get communications established with Phoenix because uh, that's where the truck won. And uh, it would just be incredible to have this truck back there at a track that it won. Um, and then besides that, Tyler, we'll do some uh, local car shows and whatnot. You know what I mean? Perfect. Tyler, I, I got to ask you, Mike, to having that truck and the opportunity to get behind the wheel, what's the fastest you've taken it so far? <laughs> well, on the way to the DMV, I thought I was going pretty fast, but it was so damn loud in the truck. I don't know how fast <laughs> I was going. You know, what's interesting about that truck behind you, um, when we won the race there at, at St. Louis Gateway, uh, you know, I think I, I told you guys a story. At best, we was a fifth-place truck that night, you know. And uh, I don't even remember what year it was, 2002, 2003. I don't even remember. Um, but I do remember the late, great Bobby Hamilton and Shane Mill. They really had the dominant trucks that, that night. And really, NASCAR had made a rule after the gateway race that there were only going to be 
there was only going to be one attempt at a green white checkered, you know, and uh, uh, I think in the truck series, though, know, and uh, I don't remember what the rule was, uh, but, you know, that we were tearing up a lot of equipment and NASCAR finally said, hey, this is it. This is the last race that we're going to have a green white, you know, we're going to have multiple green white checkers. And man, uh, you know, it, it just the way that race played out, I think there were maybe five or six green white checkers. And, uh, you know, at best, I was the fifth place truck, you know, and sometimes that's just all you got. So, you know, you want to make sure that you maximize everything. And we just, you know, if I remember right, we were in turns three and four, we were a little tight, snug through the center. We couldn't get the thing to rotate like we needed it to rotate. Uh, there were four or five trucks better than us, and they just, you know, they could get their trucks to rotate better and get back to the gas better, and you just, you know, that was the best we had. And uh, you have races like that. But, uh, but man, as the laps clicked off, and next thing you know, Shane Mill and the late, great Bobby Hamilton – Man, they took themselves out. Uh, you know, I was like, wow. You know, next thing you know, <laughs> you know, we're running fifth. Next thing you know, we're in third. And I, I don't even remember, uh, you know, then it was, uh, you know, the guys that were running third and fourth. Uh, you know, they, they got to racing her pretty hard. I don't even remember who it was. But, man, they, they ended up taking themselves out. Truck almost, I, The truck might have flipped on the back straightaway. I'm trying to remember. Lots of spark, a lot of sparks, uh, maybe a fire. And uh, next thing you knew, man, was about four laps to go. I'm like, hell, I, I can win this race, you know. And uh, <laughs> my buddy Chad Chapin was driving for, again, the late, great Bobby Hamilton. I uh, think Chad Chapin, Chapin, he's from the Nashville area, a great race car driver. Uh, he His truck was sponsored by Dickies, uh, the the uh, the workwear clothing company out of Fort Worth, Texas. And, uh, man, next thing you know, there was three laps to go, and I'm in running in second. And, and uh, we took the white flag going down into turn one, and, you know, Chad was trying to, you know, he was playing off, uh, playing defense, trying to protect the lead, and I got it. And uh, he slowed his trucks down a little bit more than what he had the, the last few laps. And, you know, I, I, I tagged him square on in, in the middle turns one and two, just enough where it made him wiggle a little bit. He got out of the gas, and my truck rotated good. I was able to turn underneath him and the forward bite we had coming up off the corner, we drag race down the back straightaway and was able to make the pass and, and win the race. But it was, uh, you know, back then I remember it was a big deal because the truck series and all the competitors, uh, you know, tough trucks, tough drivers, they, you know, they use that a lot back then. And uh, man, if we were going to put that, that, you know, the final race, to use multiple green white checkers, man, did, did it go out in a, in a, in a bang? Because I think, again, like I said, the last, you know, 15 laps, 10 laps, whatever it was, it took, you know, four or five, maybe even six green white checkers to, to come up with the winner. You know what I mean? And, 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 and the winner was what's sitting behind Mike right there, that race truck. So it's pretty cool story there on that. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mike, uh, tell, tell me this, uh, th this race truck and, uh, you, you mentioned to me earlier, you're, you were such a big fan of the, the camping world truck series and, and see, seeing David, uh, run in it. 
Uh, I mean, how, how cool was it to, just for you to, to have this, this piece of history and they have it restored this way? I mean, was it, was it everything you, you imagine when you made the decision to buy this thing? I would say absolutely, uh, Tyler. Like, being a huge fan back in the uh, 95, 96, 97 of the, the newly formed uh, Craftsman Truck Series, um, to own a truck that I saw week after week back then, you know, there are certain trucks that would always catch your eye, and it was the Spears truck that always caught my eye. So when I had an opportunity to put it back to the Spears truck, I was like, there's no doubt in my mind I'm going that direction. And so I was really excited to do that just because of the nostalgic history of Spears in the sport. Uh, from the, They were there from the beginning to the end. They ran from 95 to 2007 uh, when Camping World took over the series. So, yeah, I was pretty excited, uh, you know, Tyler, to, to, want to, to want to put it back to how it was. And then even more excited knowing that it was a famous driver who actually drove it. It wasn't. It wasn't a backup. It wasn't a show truck. It wasn't it was a, a garage queen. It was a truck that truly won twice in the Craftsman Truck Series, and David Starr piloted that truck to those victories. So, so David, now we got to find a way for you to, to get back in that truck. Well, man, you know, uh, Mike was nice enough to all offer me an invitation to come to Erwindale. Uh, but, you know, I, I had you know, lots going on racing and racing schools. And, you know, it's just my schedule's just, just crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to get down there for that. But if I don't make it, you know, that's uh, one of my goals is to jump in it and make a couple laps at a racetrack somewhere, you know. And, and you know, it'd just be kind of cool. It would bring back a lot of memories. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it'd bring back just a lot, lots and lots of memories. You know, we had a lot of great – employees that worked at uh, at Spears Motorsports and uh you know my crew chief uh David McCarty I called him chief he was man what a character he was and he was good Ron Hutter Motors we used Hutter Motors and you know that was equivalent to a uh, maybe a Hendrick or or a, a Richard Childress racing engine today you know Ron Hutter was on top of his game back then you know and being able to uh you know, hang out with Ron, get to know him as well as I did and win races with his motors was uh, was a big deal, you know, for all of us. And, uh, you know, and kind of like Mike was talking, you know, uh, being a, you know, always wanting to be a professional race car driver and racing my tail off and watching all kinds of different racing and, you know, obviously tuned in like Mike was to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, uh, Craftsman Truck Series, uh, you know, that Spears truck, like like Mike was saying, really caught my eyes, too, you know. And, uh, man, you know, Ron Hornaday driving for Dale Earnhardt's, you know, Dale Earnhardt and, you know, and, and Harvick driving for, you know, for, for Wayne and Connie Spears and just, man, all the different drivers back then. Mike Skinner, my, ended up later being my teammate and all that kind of stuff, you know. It, it was just, you know, the truck series was just, man, it was uh, – Back then, my days in the truck series with the with the drivers, you know, there were 25 drivers get, could win any given race. It was so competitive. And, uh, and again, like I said, uh, getting that opportunity to drive the Spears uh, Chevrolet truck, 
uh, in the NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series. Well, man, was just a dream come true for me, and it, and it put me on the map. And uh, it actually it, it changed my life, man. It changed my life. So, uh, but man, a lot of great people. Dave McCarty. Uh, you know, you heard Mike talk about Jason. Jason went on to be a great crew chief in the in NASCAR Xfinity Series. He's a great friend of mine. I compete against him, uh, but he's at Colleague Racing doing a heck of a job. Really proud of him. And then, you know, back then, Carl Long, you know, uh, Carl Long that owns MBM Motorsports in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You know, Carl worked for us. Uh, Carl would race his cup car back then, but during the week, he was employed by by Spears, and uh, man, we we developed a great relationship early on, early two thousand one two, and uh, but man, Carl had a great racing career and a great story. For most people didn't know, you know they seen him on the weekends racing in the Cup Series, but they didn't know during the week he he worked on my race trucks. You know, I mean, what's really cool, but a lot of talented pe people that that. that that worked at Spears was that went on to have very successful careers and in, in, in our in our great sport it was just amazing, you know. And and I'll, I'll cherish those memories and and those days because uh, it was a, a dream come true, you know. And and I, and I always spoke. People said, "Man, I remember you was always on television." Every time they put you on television, you always thank Tony and Wayne Spears, you know, because you know, they, they did a lot for me, you know, and, uh, but man, seeing what Mike's done with that truck and knowing that, that somebody like Mike has so much passion for it and the history behind it, uh, it's just very, very cool, very humbling, you know, and, uh, I just love it. It's, it's just cool and, uh, really cool that he has it, man. I'm really proud of Mike and proud of what he has and what he's built there. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. Guys, uh, we'll shift gears, move on now. Uh, we'll have our Ask David segment coming up. Uh, but next is our news and notes for the top headlines around the sport. Dominic, uh, what do we got this week? We'll start with what happened over the NASCAR race weekend and events that led to a NASCAR Cup Series driver going behind bars. Cody Ware of Rick Ware Racing was arrested on April 10th. On charges with Airedale County, deputies accusing him of an alleged assault on a female. Other details were given at the time of this publication or this podcast coming out on publication this week. But guys, Cody missed the race. Matt Crafton drove the 51 car. And at this time, he is facing an indefinite suspension from NASCAR with no signs of returning to the driver's seat anytime soon. David, uh, I know you know the Ware family and everything. Uh, very just unfortunate, sad news here. Yeah, you know, Rick Ware and his wife, great people, known them for over 25 years, just good people, just just a sad story, you know, you just, you just, man, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate and sad, you know what I mean, sad for the victim, uh, you know, you, we don't know the circumstances, but what I do know is, uh, you know, that's not tolerated any sport, anybody, anywhere. I mean, you know, so I don't know, just, just, you know, just, just sad, um, sad situation, you know, and you hate to, you hate to see that, read about that, uh, because there's no place. I mean, that's just unacceptable. You know what I mean? Uh, and all I can say is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know any of the details, I know what we all know, but, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's sad, you know, it's all I really can say. I don't, I don't, I don't have enough information or, or it's not my place 
but I do know Rick Ware himself and his wife are great people. And it's just, I just pray for all of them, uh, you know, and then you got to pray for the victim, you know, and, and uh, just, just hopefully, uh, you know, I pray that every, that, you know, it's like, man, if that, that stuff's just not acceptable. I can't even believe that, 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 I'm, I saw that we read, we all read it, we all seen it. You know, I mean, it's just that's not something that happens in our sport of NASCAR racing. That's something that I know all of us are proud of. You know, it's just the drivers, the crew chiefs. It's just a, such a great sport, family driven. You just don't hear about that kind of stuff. So uh, when you do see that kind of stuff, it's it's very uh, shocking, sad, disappointed, and uh, there's no place anywhere. Uh, that's not acceptable anywhere, anytime, any way, shape, or form. You know what I mean? So I just, you know, like I said, uh, you know, and I'm sure they're doing investigations. I don't know. You know what I mean? Just just to hear what happened was just sad. Yeah, very sad. Uh, Mike, uh, just uh, unfortunate uh, there. Uh, still waiting on some more details and everything, but uh, I hated hearing that news about Cody Ware there, Mike. All right. Uh, you paused there, Tyler. So repeat your question. Oh, Mike, I was just saying, it's just very unfortunate. I, I hated hearing the, 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 that news about Cody Ware and, and that situation, uh, you know, the, the, the way it's unfolded, the way it did. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. And with this day and age, uh, with uh, the power of the Internet, um, you really, no matter what goes on in your life, um, you're always on, uh, on the pedestal and you're always in the spotlight. So... Like uh, David had said, you know, we don't know the uh, the facts of what happened, but whatever it may be, you just have to remember when you're in a sport such as NASCAR, NHRA, whatever it may be, you're on the pedestal and you, you know, you're a, a, a figure for the public and you, you got to be careful what you do in life. Yeah, uh, for sure. And and uh, Dominic, uh, the uh, the Ware family and uh, their situation, uh, we, we've we've kind of seen some some stuff in the past right we have with with an arrest with the uh, the younger brother Carson where and I, I'm slipping on what those details were but he was yanked from a ride for having an arrest and being in a definite suspension from NASCAR and Tyler we haven't seen Carson back behind the wheel and that's been I believe about two years ago he was running some races under the Xfinity banner for Rookwire Racing you gotta imagine the the plan was probably for Carson to run some cup races at some point but we haven't seen him back well, David, with that, uh, you know, Matt Crafton filled in that uh, car at the last minute, uh, uh, kind of out of the blue, uh, Matt Crafton jumping in that ride. But now I imagine, you know, at least the contingency plan kind of week by week, I guess, uh, filling that ride. Who comes to mind maybe that could be could be stepping in the uh, 51 car? Uh, their affiliation with RFK Racing, that could be a nice opportunity for somebody to prove themselves here. Oh, no doubt about it. There's, you know, there's so many, so much talent uh, in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series right now. You look at the Xfinity Series and, you know, you got to think with their line, you know, the the Ford family, uh, you know, Rick Ware Racing is a Ford product. And, uh, you know, with Haley Diggin, there's so many, so many uh, drivers, young drivers that deserve the opportunity, you know, and uh, I, I really think that, You'll see Rick Ware Racing, that organization, probably pull with the, within its own manufacturer. You know, what I mean, I, I would be surprised that they they stepped out of that. You know, out of their manufacturer, going to pull somebody. You know, and uh, you know, and 
you know, unfortunate situations create opportunities for others, you know what I mean? And uh, be interested to see who they pick. And, uh, uh, but yeah, there, there, there's, there's plenty, plenty out there, lots and lots of talent. And, uh, and it'd be interesting to see here in the next couple of days who, uh, who fills that seat for the, this weekend's race in Martinsville. Dom, uh, you and I were talking uh, over the phone last night, and uh, there's some guys here that, you know, th this could be a very good prove-it situation of some sorts. Uh, you know, it's it's a Ford team and everything here. If a, if a driver can run up front in that car, you're, uh, you're, you're going to garner a lot of attention. Oh, for, for sure. And I think drivers that would come to mind at the top of that list would be somebody like Zane Smith, who has filled in for Chris Buescher when Busher was out with the concussions. I also think, too, Tyler, maybe somebody like Cole Custer, and I know that's more on the Stuart Haas side, but we've seen Custer run that 51 car. He ran that 51 car part-time before he went full-time in the Cup Series in 2020. Or maybe somebody like a Ty Majeski, maybe somebody out of the box like that that would get that opportunity to run that car. Or what about, what about like somebody like a Ryan Newman? Rick Ware and Ryan Newman had conversations about running some vehicles for him in 2022, and maybe that'd be an opportunity for a one-off let's say, a Martinsville race or a Talladega. Yeah, yeah, I think so. What else going on, Tom? Well, other NASCAR news. As, as you all are aware, NASCAR has been announcing throughout the last few days the NASCAR 75 Greatest Drivers. They're already using the platform of the greatest 50 drivers that were announced in 1998. But at the time of the publication of this podcast, we know three of the next 25 that have been added to that list, and that includes Tony Stewart, Casey, Kine, Casey Kane, rather, and Mike Stefanik. So we have past champions, drivers that have won marquee races. There are still 22 drivers to be named on this list, Tyler, and I imagine we're going to see past champions as automatic shoe-ins, popular drivers, and maybe some wild cards. Yeah, uh, David, pretty cool deal here, uh, NASCAR, uh, going with this top 75 drivers, greatest 75 drivers of all time for 75 years in sport here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty cool and very interesting to see it all play out in front of us, you know, and uh, – yeah, I remember when they had the, the 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 greatest 50, you know, and now to add 25 more to it for the NASCAR's 75th anniversary, it's just really cool. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited to hear, you know, who the who the next who the next 22 are, you know, and uh, but I think it's cool, you know, it's uh it's really it's neat to see Mike Hel Helton present that to Tony Stewart before the dirt race at Bristol this uh, this past Sunday. Uh, you know, I think it shocked and caught Tony off guard, you know, but a uh, pretty, pretty neat deal, you know, and uh, there's a lot of them that belong in there. You know, I, I you know, I know Jeff, Jeff O'Dime was, uh, he's been on our podcast and he was part of that top 50, uh, you know, back then. And, uh, but man, there's been so many greats. How do you, how do you pick the 75 best, you know, out, out of 75 years of so many different drivers. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's an honor for, or, you know, you look at the Hall of Fame, who who's in the Hall of Fame, and and uh, but it'd be interesting to, to uh, see uh, them finish up the list of 75. Dom, I, I wish they were just resetting, starting over, and naming 75 drivers because, uh, not to sound like recency bias or anything, but I feel like there's more than 25 drivers that would be eligible for that list that are better than the 50 that are already on it. I wish it was a new list of 75. 
I got to disagree with you there because we're honoring NASCAR's past. And at that time, the 50 years of NASCAR, first 50 years, they took the 50 best drivers. And and yeah, there's going to be drivers that come and go. But I, I think it is an era thing. We, we, we've always talked about on the show how it's so hard to say who's the greatest driver of all time. You got to look more at the eras. And I think this pays more homage to that era because we're going to get those those best 25. Maybe we get somebody that comes on the list that was a part of NASCAR in those first 50 years. Maybe didn't make it then, but could make it now. I don't know. I could be wrong, though. Okay, let's get your opinions on this. Uh, NASCAR's top 75 driver list. We've already heard a couple names released uh, of this next generation. Who uh, who comes to mind you think belongs in that uh, that group of the uh, all-time greats? I mean, I'm a huge Ricky Rudd fan. Ricky Rudd, to me, is probably one of the most uh, incredible drivers uh, in the sport. Ricky Rudd belongs in there with the all-time greats. Uh, obviously, uh, Bobby Labonte belongs in there. Another really uh, – Tony Stewart. I, I really like the golden era of NASCAR, let's call it, from the late 90s to uh, the mid-2000s. I just think that that era of NASCAR, when you had just uh, one sponsorship on a car and that same driver all the time and uh, – teams didn't have more than one or, or more than two drivers you know what I mean and and so there I just think that some of those guys back in that era uh Tyler are the, are the guys that I would just love to see in those uh, all-time great list yeah yeah that's uh some uh, good stuff there Dom what else we got going on to the last thing before we get to everyone's favorite segment of course we got to preview the NASCAR race weekend at Martinsville this upcoming weekend I look at some of your odds on favorites no surprise, Tyler. He's been fast all season, and he is the defending spring Martinsville winner. William Byron right now is your odds-on favorite to win at Martinsville with 6-1 to one odds. Next up is his teammate at Kyle Larson with 13-2. to two. Same with Christopher Beltite at 13-2. to two. And then Denny Hamlin, your fourth favorite, 7-1. to one. You have nine past Martinsville winners, and all four of these guys are past winners at Martinsville Speedway. And rounding out that top five would be Martin Truex at 17-2 to two to win. All past winners, Tyler, topping the, the list of perennial winners at Martinsville Speedway. Martinsville, uh, David, uh, fantastic track. We've seen some great racing there. Uh, no reason why that a Sunday shouldn't be exciting. Man, it's going to be amazing. You know, the last time they ran there, you guys remember what happened. <laughs> last lap pass, put somebody in the in – the, and and you know for the for the uh, for the championship, wow. but yeah. but man, anytime you go to Martinsville, I don't care if it's the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series or the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series, man. That it's uh, man, it's grassroots, man. It's uh, old school short tracks, Saturday night under the lights feature. You know, it's uh, it's going to be tempers flare, uh, going to be people mad, uh, but it's going to be exciting, you know. Know, and you know, just listening, y'all speak about who's the odds on favor. Uh, you know, you you, you got to think about William Byron and, and the Hendrick Motorsports team, and you you look at momentum, momentum. You know, then you look at Christopher Bell just coming off of a win, and uh, you know he's been kind of the the guy that's uh, taking the lead there at uh, at Joe Gibbs racing. But uh, but you can't you can't ever rule out Denny Hamlin, uh, Kevin Harvick. I mean, it's it's uh. I'm excited for the race this weekend. It's going to be a, gr a great Martinsville race, like it always is. Yeah, uh, Mike, who, who are some of the guys you're watching for? I don't really have any particular favorites this weekend because it just it's anyone's game. It's what David said. It's short track racing at its best. I'll be there at Martinsville this weekend, and uh, you just never know who's going to win. It's a short track, and anything can happen. 
if you're going to go to Xfinity, I'm, I'm all for uh, the number 11 colleague team. Uh, Daniel's on a, a good roll right now. They've been doing pretty good. And when it comes to trucks, um, I like Matt Crafton, uh, but Zane Smith has definitely been showing that he's dominant once again. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very good point there. Let's uh let's make some official picks here for that uh cup race. Uh Dom, uh who are you going with? Well, I gotta say there's no pressure, guys. I've been two for two the last two weeks. I had Kyle Larson at Richmond, Christopher Bell last week at Bristol. Now I'm gonna go on the record and say Denny Hamlin wins at Martinsville. Let's make it three in a row, guys. Okay. So uh Dominic uh, going for the uh, three peat here on his picks. He's going with uh, Denny Hamlin uh this week. David, uh, let's see if you can stop uh, Dominic's momentum. Who do you got this week? Man, y'all know the four car, Kevin Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That's only the second time you've picked Kevin this year, Dave. No, I mean, not that I'm keeping track, but I yeah. mean. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that I've been picking, and it's been working for me. Not like Dominic's streak, but close enough. William Byron, 24 car, gets in victory lane, uh, gets it done at Richmond for the third time this year. Uh, Mike, uh, g give me one name. Who is uh, your pick to win uh, at uh, Martinsville here? It's going to run. I'm a Harvick fan. There we go. Okay. Absolutely. There, there we go. I, I had to get one out, out of you. So two for Harvick, one for Hamlin, and uh, one for uh, for uh, William Byron in our uh, pick segment this week. Before we go, time for our Ask David segment. We ask you to submit questions to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and also by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com is where you can find us there. That is where we found a question from Mike uh, that told us all about this uh, Spears truck that uh, <laughs> you've seen on uh, today's show. It was straight from the inbox. So uh, how about that to get us to this point? But uh, nonetheless, we will uh, go ahead and uh, get to the questions this week. And uh, the first question in the inbox, this one comes from Martha, and Martha wants to know, David, who's the toughest competitor you've ever raced against? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough question, you know. But, uh, uh, man, you know, I, there's several. There was just so many, you know. And the ones that come to mind, uh, Ron Hornaday, Jack Sprague, uh, my, my great friend and teammate, once teammate Mike Skinner, we're just tough competitors, man, tough guys. And, uh, you know, there's so many more, but uh, those guys come to mind, uh, uh, you know, uh, when you first ask the question, those, those are the guys that come to mind. They were just tough competitors, man, tough. And, uh, but, yeah, they, that was Ron Hornday, man, he was tough, and uh, he raced you hard every lap. And Skinner was the same way, man. They didn't, they didn't give an inch, man. It was, uh, there was no, uh, you know, there was no giving each other an inch. No, from the time they waved the green flag to start the race until they dropped the checker flag, those guys were just hardcore every lap, every second of the race. What about uh, what about now in the Xfinity Series? Uh, from the guys you've raced against the last couple of years, David, who's been maybe the toughest uh, to pass or or – to, to get around of some sorts? Who kind of held their own in the Xfinity Series from what you saw the last couple of years? Well, man, it ain't like I've been with these powerhouse teams over the years in the Xfinity Series. You know, there's been some some tough, tough competitors, you know, driving great, great powerhouse team cars, you know, but uh, all of them are good. Even, you know, a lot of the young guns and new guys coming in the Xfinity Series, I mean, they're all super competitive, 
and uh, uh, but but you know, for me to tell you one that stands out on the Xfinity side, I really can't tell you. It's just you know, it's just hard racing, you know, and uh, 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 you know, just everybody's just racing hard. You know, there's not really one that stands out for me on on the on the Xfinity side over the years. What what about maybe a, a couple names, whatever, maybe even guys that are racing where you're at on track. Uh, is is there like a some type of guy you try to measure yourself against? Like, man, if we can run up with this guy, or you know, you know, if, if we're going to compete, you know, a measuring stick of some sorts. What what comes to mind there? Well, I mean, you know, it's different today. You know, we we always talked about winning races, running good weekend and week out. You know, and you know you. You know the, you know the types of teams that your money affords you to race for. You know what your budget looks like is going to be the, you know, it depends on how much funding you bring to the table. It kind of dictates the quality of the team, you know. And and uh, sometimes when you're when you're dealing with the kind of money that a lot of us bring to the table, you know, you want really want to be the best of that of that group you know there's uh you got the powerhouse teams the guys are going to run in the the top 12 or 13 you know the the you know the powerhouse colleagues and Dale junior teams and uh excuse me and the uh you know your penske teams uh you know but you know if you're in that middle of the pack range with the dollar amounts you have, you want to be the best of that group that you know you can compete with, if that makes sense, you know? So, uh, you know, you know that if you bring an 800,000 or a million dollars to the table, you know, it's hard to be, be, beat the teams that, that can operate on, you know, eight, nine, $10 million, you know what I mean? So you just want to be the best out of the group of guys that you're racing with, that you race with that week in and week out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, that very important. Yeah. Well, and, and and Dom, I I feel like just watching whether it's at the racetrack or uh, on TV that this era of drivers and and maybe David's got an opinion on this too. It feels like this next era of drivers races with a lot of confidence, a lot of toughness. Like there is, there it seems like from afar, David there's less give and take than there's ever been before. You know, there really is, uh, you know, there's uh, you know, you got to understand that we're in an industry that's, that is, you know, performance driven, you know, it's, it's all about what have you done lately? And uh, you know, there's pressure, there's pressure to come, there's compressor, there's pressure for results, you know, and uh, you got to understand it's big business, big sponsors, uh, manufacturers, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's very, very competitive, always has been, but, you know, the guys that I raced with for a long time, in the truck series, they were, you know, we just talked about it, but sometimes, you know, if, as a racer, if you know, somebody's really much better than you, uh, they've caught you from a half lap back or your spotter saying, Hey man, these guys, you know, they're coming and they're on a rail, you know, it really out of respect, uh, you know, cause one of those, you know, you're going to have great races where, you know, something happens and you're coming through the field and, you know, and, and, uh, and people give you a little bit of room. Uh, but it seems like today's world, uh, speaking of the cup series, man, 
you know, even if somebody's got a better car, I mean, you got to work your tail off to get past somebody, you know what I mean? Even when you know, but you guys have seen over the years, sometimes you'll see Kyle Busch, Harvick, different ones. If somebody's better, they'll just kind of, you know, I thinking about that, I saw Kyle Busch uh, at the L.A. Coliseum early in the first race of the season. Uh, you know, he 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 really let uh, his teammate Austin Dillon go by right there at the end of the race because he felt like he didn't want to hold Austin up. And Austin had a car that could compete with for the win with whoever was winning at the time, you know, and it, uh, you know, you don't see much of that anymore. It's, it's, it's hardcore. I'm going to hold you off. There's not a lot of respect like there once was, but that's, that's just the, the nature of the beast, man. We're, we're paid and we're warriors and uh, you're not paid to pull over and let somebody go by. You're, you're paid to, to pass and beat every car and, and to keep them behind you, you know? So, uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, there's always been big discussions over that over the years, you know, and, uh, you know, we are racing, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we, you know, so uh, for me, uh, you know, I can speak about me depending on how my race car, race truck was at a certain part of the race. If I knew somebody was faster than me, I'm, I gave them a little bit of room because you didn't want to hold them up and, and in return, in return, when, when, you know, your crew chief, you made a great pit stop and they made some adjustments. The next thing you know, you got the dominant truck. You hope they repaid the favor, you know what I mean? But, uh, but you know, you don't see much of that today. You know, you see some of it sometimes, but it's pretty much, man, everybody's driving their tail off like it's the final lap, even from the, from the start of the races. And that's really what makes our sport what our sport is today. It makes it exciting. The fans love it. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with that, you know, so it is a little bit different these days and, and we're hearing more about it, you know, because we're talking about it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, your thoughts, uh, the competitive level, uh, I, I'm entertained just how how much depth there is in NASCAR right now. And, and you know, the, the TV broadcast focus so much on the leaders at the top, but every position matters. Absolutely. I think that uh, the sport nowadays has changed from what it was, uh, say, in the 90s uh, to the 2000s. And, and now, you know, we heard, uh, I forgot what driver was just talking about respect. I think it was Kyle Busch. Um, a lot of drivers, it's like cutthroat. I mean, it's like, it's like you said, it's I, I got to win. And it's they're trying to win on the last lap, on the first lap. And um, it's, it's very aggressive racing. It's just not what I'm used to seeing back in the, let's call it back in, uh, you know, when I first started watching NASCAR. And so, um, I think back like, wow, man, if you would have tried something like that against Dale Earnhardt or, or, or whoever, you know, they would have just, they would have ran you into the wall. And, uh, it's, uh, it's very cutthroat nowadays with, uh, the cup series that I you know, I think, um, with NASCAR, um, and the aggressiveness of the drivers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, with that, uh, I got another question uh, in the uh, inbox. So this one comes from Jackie. Jackie wants to so know, David, what's the most interesting conversation you've had with a driver at driver intros? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, um, I can't. Uh, I can't repeat on our podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's. Uh, 
you know, there's some characters out there that are that are great race car drivers, you know, but off the racetrack, <laughs> they keep me entertained, you know. And uh, but that's a great question, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, when I'm at the racetrack, when I get there in the morning until I leave, uh, basically until they drop the checker flag, man, I'm, I'm, I'm focused. Uh, you know, I'm there taking care of my sponsors, but man, I'm, I'm all about the race, how the race is going to play out, focused on the task at hand. Uh, you know, and it's interesting at times, uh, you know, when we, when all the competitors get together and we're on the behind the stage before driver intros, it's interesting to, to, uh, the conversations that you, that you end up having with your fellow competitors is, is, uh, you know, somebody could probably write a book on that, you know what I mean? It'd be the, probably the <laughs> best seller, you know, because it's really, uh, you can only imagine the stories, uh, you know, and uh, I always I always find it intriguing, you know what I mean? Because even for myself, you know, uh, you know, I'm focused on that freaking race, you know, and, and, you know, thinking about it in my head, you know, and I've always thought it's amazing that, that, you know, some of the competitors, a lot of them, you know, uh, what they're thinking about, you know, 15 minutes for fixing the, you know, before they're fixing to drop the green flag, you know, it's, it's kind of nuts and crazy, but, uh, but uh, that's a great question, you know, and, and I, I uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something that I really can't, uh, share with y'all because it's some of them are crazy. <laughs> hey, give, give us one that you can that, that you can share, David. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know it, it's you know just sometimes competitors are going through a divorce or something happened, you know, and I mean you, you can only imagine, man. You you can only imagine uh, the you know some of the entertainment you get. Uh, from other competitors uh, at that moment when you're just kind of hanging out waiting to be introduced, you know. I, I really like to talk about, for me, I, uh, you know, I like to talk about how people's race cars are handling, what they found in practice that really helped it, you know, where they're struggling at, you know. I just, I'm, I'm picking brains to find out, you know, what somebody learned in practice and how their car's handling and, and stuff like that. And, tire fall off, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of the drivers, that's not really what's on their mind at that present time, you know, and some of them are, are looking at the audience around us and making comments about different people. And, and, uh, I mean, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting and a great question. I can assure I can assure you that and that's it's just a great question. It makes me laugh and think about some of the crazy conversations and, and different subject matters, you know. <laughs> well, Tyler, I remember we had Joe Nemechek on the show about six months ago, and I remember him saying anything that you talk about a driver interest, you pretty much talk about anything but the race car. So here David kind of just hammer that on too. I, I we can only imagine oh to be a fly on the wall at driver interest. Yeah, David's kind of keeping secret about these conversations. Now, I, I just want to know more, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> so what he's saying. Dom, I mean, even you and I, like, during driver intros, like, you know, the the pre-race portion of when the guys are headed to the stage and when they're leaving, it, it's very interesting because even for us or, you know, other media members or fans, 
that's a time to interact and talk with these drivers for a couple minutes right before they hop in the race car. It's unlike any other sport. Absolutely. Could you imagine Peyton Manning in his prime with the Indianapolis Colts or Denver Broncos just chatting with fans as they're warming up on the field or in the locker room getting ready to go out before they take the field? No. It, it's, no, it's, those guys it, are locked in. Exactly. And, and I'm saying NASCAR drivers aren't. But man, it's a different type of access. Even the fact that you can dial up a driver during a stage break or a caution flight period, another sport has that kind of access. The only one I can think of, Tyler, is the XFL. Yeah, uh, they mic up the guys during the game and you can hear everything. Mike, uh, have you ever talked to, talk to any drivers or anything during a driver intro before? You know, one of the, one of the things, Tyler, I, I'm going to chime in here and tell you, one of the things that's a common that's a common thing is to really talk about the race, the the the, the past race, the past weekend. You know, what I mean, a lot of times, you know, you're you're analyzing race, the race, the the past race from the weekend before, about what happened and and how it played out. You know, a lot of times I like to, you know, discuss the the previous race. You know, because you know we, I haven't seen the driver, uh, and you know we're at the racetrack, we're busy practice. You don't have much practice these days. You're qualifying. You know, you're really just engaged with your crew chief, engineer, your team, you know. And uh, so a lot of times we don't really have a lot of uh, time with your fellow competitors, you know. And that, and that time when we go to the stage uh, prior to driver intros and we're all together, you know, for me, I, well, some of my conversations are about the previous race, you know, and what happened and why this and why that, you know. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome point. Mike, uh, was trying to ask you there, uh, you ever had any interaction with the drivers around driver intros on pit road or anything? I've not. I've never had any. Okay, okay. Well, we, we need to change that. We need you to be around David or something one of these times uh, <laughs> before a race here or something, you know. Tyler, I had, uh, I had a very memorable first experience with uh, – with David at California. And so uh, even though I had met drivers in the past, uh, I found David probably to be the one of the most approachable, nicest down-to-earth drivers ever. Oh, he is. Uh, what you see is what you get with David Starr, you know. And, and speaking of driver intros, Dom, I, I hear that uh, come Texas, uh, David's got something special cooked up for you? Potentially, we're in the works of it. I, I hear he might be carrying an infant either at Texas or some other track. Right? Not where his boys are. We don't take away from that, but a special little boy is going to get to be a part of David with introductions at some point. Here, we're trying to work that out, David. <laughs> That'd be that would be honored. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> we're gonna put uh, we're gonna put like a little mic, uh, you know, hide it in his ear or something, so he can listen in on their, all the these secret conversations, you know, going on in driver intros. You know? Oh, so hi, hi, Christopher. With me, all you'll be hearing me kissing on his cheeks, you know what I mean? Because I love kissing baby's cheeks, you know. <laughs> just, just don't be like the Dalai Lama now, you know. <laughs> That's funny, man. That's on that funny. note, <laughs> we will uh, just about get out of here and go. Uh, before we do, around the room, what's uh, going on this weekend? Uh, Mike, uh, you'll, you'll be at uh, Martinsville, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'll be out there this weekend. Uh, I'm flying into. Uh, uh, Dulles Airport, heading down to Martinsville for the truck race and the Xfinity race. And then, believe it or not, to add to the segment, 
I am on my way down to Georgia to go pick up a bunch of Spears truck parts that the gentleman who originally had bought this truck um, from Spears got a bunch of other stuff and another chassis. So I'm on my way down there to see what parts he has and what I can gobble up this weekend. So I will be in the Martinsville area and then down to Charlotte and Mooresville and then down to Georgia and then I'm going to drive back to California. That sounds like a haul there, uh, Mike. Uh, best of luck to you. Sounds uh, like you'll have a good time. Dominic, uh, what's going on with you, bud? And I'll be spending at home weekend with Felice and Christopher. It's going to be a nice little weekend at home and Really haven't had that for a little bit, so that'll be nice to not really be on the road anywhere. It's fun to travel, Tyler, as you know, but, man, it'll be nice to be – just to have a nice, relaxing weekend at home. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I'm staying here in Dallas, not going anywhere this weekend, uh, but I'll be in Talladega next week. David and I will be out there. We'll have a heck of a time. David, uh, you, you got a lot going on with the racing school and everything the next couple of days, right? Oh, man, just busy with uh, a couple of sponsor meetings, and we got a big day at Texas Motor Speedway on Saturday. But, you know, that, that's awesome. But sad I won't be in Martinsville. That's just one of my favorite races to run, one there. Uh, always run good there. And, it, man, that just takes you back to those, you know, your roots of short track racing. Don't get any better in Martinsville, you know. So uh, sad that I won't be there competing, but uh, but I will in the future. And uh, uh, But, man, I'm going to be tuned in to what's going on there. Always uh, – it don't get much better than a, a good short track race at Martinsville, Virginia, that's for sure. So I'll be tuned in to all the racing going on there this weekend. I will say, David, I don't know how you feel about this. The Martinsville hot dog, disgusting, nasty. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, that, we could probably have a segment on the Martinsville hot dog, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, I uh, – uh, man, over the years, they've been good to me. I loved them. Yeah, I love them. You know? Some people love them. Some people hate them. You know, for me personally, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good Martinsville hot dog. You know, I, uh, I I do your traditional hot dog, and they, you know, the hot dogs there at Martinsville, they like to put coleslaw on them. You know, I don't I don't believe a hot dog should have coleslaw on it, but uh, but the Martinsville's hot dog is definitely famous. <laughs> We've had them in Daytona before, Tyler. They'll bring them there in the media center as one of the pre-race festivities on like that Friday or Saturday before the Daytona 500. I don't know. Maybe you got a bad batch. They weren't that bad. Weren't that bad. See, exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Well, they I, were, mean, I mean, <laughs> they were probably Coronado weenies. And I, I remember the, the president yeah. of Brazil Speedway saying they, they have like 40 or 50,000 hot dogs on hand for the weekend. But they're not I, – I, I, let me rephrase it. They're pretty good. They're not like world's finest, but they will get hot you a full on a pinch. And Mike, I look forward hot to hearing if you like. Aren't them. supposed to be pink. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dominic. Dom, here's the problem. If Dom, if, if Tyler would just have one, he'd be okay. But you know, when you eat as many as he eats, he, he makes upsets his tummy. You know what I mean? Whoa, so. whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on. <laughs> hold on. We we gotta go. Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, Mike, for joining us, uh, stopping by, and showing us the race truck and telling us the whole backstory on that. That's awesome. Uh, great story there. Uh, yeah, thank you, Mike. We're going to have you back on to hear about how this, this journey goes, man. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, big thanks to you, the listener, as well, for joining us as well. For David Starr, Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones. We'll put the checkered flag out in this episode. As always, subscribe to show new episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Also, hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcasts, Twitter at starpodcasts, and by email, davidstarpodcasts at gmail.com. For our entire crew, Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.